Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, July 14th, 2019, we continue our series titled Genesis, In the Beginning. Today's sermon, Where Will Your Life Lead?, will be taught to us by Pastor Ed Lutz out of Genesis chapters 4 and 5. Enjoy. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both. And be one traveler, long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet, knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood, and I... I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. That has made all the difference. See, the writer of that poem had two choices. He could go right or he, he could go left. Have you ever faced that dilemma? You, you come to a point in your life and you have a choice, do I do this or that? Should I go up or down, right or left? Go here, go there. And you wish you could kind of go both ways, And you think, well, I'll just put this decision off for now and I'll come back to it later. But the reality is we may never get back to that opportunity again. So we're forced to choose. Now, we don't know if it was a good choice or a bad choice for this writer, but we know it was a significant choice because he said it made all the difference. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about choices. We are in Genesis chapter four. We're gonna try to cover two chapters today and I'm gonna take probably 20 minutes on just chapter four and then the last five to seven minutes on chapter five. But it's a familiar story. Two sons of Adam and Eve we're gonna look at, Cain and? No. We're gonna look at Cain and Seth because... With Cain and Seth, we see two choices. One is a good choice and one is a bad choice. Let me pray as we start. Father, we're thankful for this morning. No greater joy and privilege we have than to come and hear your words. The fact that you've revealed yourself to us in your son And through your scripture, we are just so grateful for that. I just pray that our hearts can be attentive. This is a familiar text, but Lord, make it fresh this morning. May we see ourselves in this text and how you want us to be different. We pray in Jesus' name. And all the church said, have a main idea for you. Help you follow along. This is kind of like the the overview, the GPS map first. I want you to read this with me. Can you do that? One, two, three. Our response to sin determines the trajectory of our lives. A little louder. 
we will either turn from God and adversely affect others, or we will respond in worship of God and lead others to him. Those are the choices. You're going to turn from the Lord, or you're going to run to him? Cain did the first, and that's where we are going to pick up in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. If you notice on your outline, you have a structure there. The first point we're going to see is a life that leads to separation from God. This is the story of Cain and Abel. So if you're looking to fill in your blanks, there's the blanks there, Cain and Abel. And we're going to look at Cain's unbelief in rebellion and then God's curse on Cain. And yet, amazingly, God is going to protect Cain's life. So let's begin in chapter 4, verse 1. Now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. It says Adam knew his wife. That's the word yada. So Adam and Eve, yada, 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 Cain and Abel. That's what happened. It literally is the word for sexual intimacy. So now you know where it comes from. If you're over 40, you caught that sitcom reference. I'm proud of you. And it says she has gotten a man with the help of the Lord. See, Eve knows that life is a gift from God. And that she bore Cain and his brother Abel. Now, some people think that Cain and Abel were twins. Why do they think that? Well, because it's, it says that that she conceived and she bore, Abel, or bore Cain, but it doesn't say that she conceived Abel. So maybe they came out at the same time. I would think that if these were twins, though, we would have known that. In Genesis chapter 25, verse 24, we have the story of Jacob and Esau, and it says that they were twins. So some people think they're twins, possibly. Scripture's not clear, so I just, I know for certain that they're brothers. Now, at the end of verse 2, it says, Now, Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a worker of the ground. So one is a shepherd, one is a farmer. Significance in their occupations, maybe. Maybe not. But what's interesting is we know from the, the fall of Adam and Eve, the sin of Adam and Eve, in the chapter before this, what happened to the ground? The earth, it became cursed. And in this chapter, guess what happens to Cain? He gets cursed. That's interesting. Verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. So at the end of the harvest season, when it was time to reap, Cain brings his offering of fruit. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had, look at this, regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. He did not look upon it with favor. And what was Cain's response at the end of verse 5? Angry, furious, rage there. And his face fell. You could see it, the countenance on his face, whether it's shame or anger or dismay. Jealousy, it's probably all of those things, right, packaged up here. Now, we, we read that fairly quickly, but if you stop and think about it, what are they doing at this passage? 
the bringing a sacrifice. At this point, sacrifices apparently are instituted because they're doing it. They know that they're supposed to give a sacrifice. Well, how would they know that? Well, they must have been taught that. So maybe the Lord communicated it to them. What probably was done was they were taught this from their parents, Adam and Eve. What do you remember from Jeff's message last week? Canaan, or Adam and Eve sinned, and right before God expels them from the garden to cover their sin, to give them a temporary sin covering, he kills an animal, slays an animal, and it's the animal's blood that is shed. Now, Adam and Eve will die, but God prolongs their life, an act of mercy, and sacrifices an animal. And then what does he do? He covers their nakedness. He gives them animal skin. Now, do you think Adam and Eve told their kids that story? I'm sure they did. So uh, sacrifices here are instituted. Well, what's going on here? Why is the Lord not pleased with Cain And why is he pleased with Abel? Could be the sacrifice. Could be because Abel brought a blood sacrifice, an atonement for sin. That's what many people think. I don't know that the type of sacrifice, you know, matters so much, but I think, you know, Cain brought what he brought. Abel brought what he brought. They both brought something, right? They knew to sacrifice, but I think there might be something to the idea of a blood sacrifice here. But one thing we do know for sure is this is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Hebrews 11, verse 4, gives us some insight. It's on the screen here. It says, by faith, see that? By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. So what's the issue? Faith through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. I think it's also important to notice that this is the firstborn, right? These are the firstborn. If if Abel's gonna offer his firstborn, he's trusting on the Lord to provide for the next, right? If this is what he has and this is all he has and he's gonna give that to the Lord, then God's gotta provide something else. It reminds me in Mark chapter four, in Mark chapter 12 rather, a widow comes to the temple and Jesus is sitting there with his disciples and, and this woman puts two little pennies in the offering basket. And it says that she gave all she had. So what is this woman going to live on tomorrow? How is she going to buy food? She doesn't know. Can I tell you how she's going to live tomorrow? She's going to live by faith. She gave all she had. Abel here has to have faith by giving up his firstborn. It's his lip service for Cain. Isaiah chapter 29 says people come to the Lord and and with their their mouths they offer praise, but their heart is far from God. And now we think in a room this size, we have people who are coming to church. Man, this is my checkoff. I came to church this Sunday. Okay, I'm good for the week. Some of us come in at the last 20 minutes. Good, I made it. I did my good deed. And yet is our heart really pursuing the things of the Lord? Cain is going through the motions here. And God knows his heart. And he's angry. 
Look what verse 6 says. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, key verse for the passage here, sin is crouching at the door, its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Many, many years ago, I was taking my son for a college visitation. Wanted to go to school in California. And I had never really made that drive. We're from Ohio, so we had made that drive only a few times. And I knew there's going to come a point where I have to choose which way to go. We're coming up, you know, I mean, you take I 10, you're coming up out of Palm Springs. Right at the top of that big hill, the Highway 10, you could either go right towards, I think it's San Bernardino, right? Or you could go left towards Riverside. It's, it's 60. And I wanted to go right. I wanted to stay on I-10. Instead, I went left. And man, if you've ever gone down Route 60, the road narrows, tons of traffic. There's no turnoff anywhere, man. I'm thinking, I'm going for miles, and I realize right away I'm on the wrong road. And I can see I-10 in the distance to the right. Now, I didn't know I could later hook up with another route and get back over, but I got frustrated, and I'm driving, and how am I going to get over there? I couldn't. I was heading down this road, and I couldn't turn back. Well, I did. I might have broken a law or two, but I was able to. <laughs> That's what that little patch of dirt is on the right, right? So you, I did a little spin out, got back up, came all the way back up the hill where the fork in the road was, and I got on the right way on I-10 and started going towards L.A. Cain's getting a second chance here. He's getting a chance to change direction. God says, if you do well, will it not be accepted? Turn around, Cain. Let's restart. If you don't, the sin that is crouching at the door, kind of like a, a lion getting ready to pounce, will just destroy you and tear you up. Don't, don't give in, Cain. What's Cain's response in verse 8? Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. One commentator says, comparing the, the sin of Eve and the sin of Cain is that Eve had to be talked into sin and Cain couldn't be talked out of it. Isn't that interesting? Says he spoke to his brother Abel. We don't know what they said, but we know where they go. They go to the field. So it gets them out away from civilization in a way, away from people. So this is premeditated, right? I'm gonna get them alone. No one's around and he murders them. This is just, this is evil, right? Why is this so bad? Why is this so bad? Well, what do we know about man? He's made in the image of God. So Cain and Abel made in the image of God, given life by God, and they're supposed to, to multiply and help populate the earth. And what does Cain do? He takes life from Abel, and now he won't be able to, multiply and fill the earth. So Cain has utter disregard for the person of God and the plan of God here. But we know this is evil. Cain rejects the Lord here. We have some more insight in 1 John chapter 3. Several months ago, we went through the book of 1 John. Look what John writes in chapter 3. 
For this is a message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain. Look at this now. Who was of the evil one? If you had any doubt, if you had any sympathy for Cain maybe, that God is being a little bit too harsh with him in this chapter, look what it says there. God knows his heart. Cain is of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. See the envy there? See the jealousy there? Abel had this relationship with God. Cain doesn't. And then John says this, for us. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in what? Death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Second Timothy 3, Paul says, if you desire to live a godly life, you will be persecuted. That's a promise. Jesus in John 15 told his disciples, because the world hates me, they're going to hate you. Then all through the end of the Gospels, Matthew 24, as Jesus is talking about the end times, he tells his disciples, some of you, for my sake, are going to be thrown into prison. You're going to be put on trial. You're going to be persecuted. Some of you are going to die because of your testimony of me. That was the fate of Abel here. Now, it's easy right here. I want to just stop and do a little bit of introspection because we can look at this. Man, what a bad dude, man. Bad apple. But yet, let's do a little bit of self-examination. Sin is crouching at our door too, isn't it? Don't we have the same choice every single day, multiple times a day? In, in uh, Shakespearean uh, literature, there's, there's a play called A Tragedy, and the tragedy is called a tragedy because the, the main character has what's called a tragic flaw. There's an internal weakness, and if he gives into it, it brings his downfall. So that's why it's such a tragedy. He knows his weakness, and yet he still gives into it, and it destroys him. What's your weakness? Do we have a pet sin? Do we realize that sin is crouching at your door, and we think, oh man, I'm just going to open the door a little bit. No one's looking, right? Kind of like Cain, going to go over here in the field. No one's around. But man, can I tell you, brothers and sisters, you open that door, you give just an inch, and if you're not careful, it pounces on you, and it can destroy you. We need to master that. Does that sound like a New Testament passage? 1 Peter chapter 5 says this. Be sober-minded, Watchful, your adversary, the devil, prowls. You see that, see that animal figure there? It's, it's crouching, it's prowling, like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We are to resist him. How? Verse 9 says to stand firm in our faith. Romans 6 says we have sin, and we shouldn't let sin reign in us. Don't open the door. Don't go down that road. Cain went down that road. And let's look at what follows. Verses 9 through 16. We're going to see God's curse and God's protection. Amazingly, God's protection. 
Then the Lord, verse 9, said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He knows, right? He's just trying to give Cain an opportunity to fess up here. And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Now, that's more than just sass, folks. That's, that's more than just being brash. That's outright disregard for God himself. There's an accusation there. What do you mean, my, my brother's key? Isn't that your job, God? You hear that in the tone there? Verse 10, and the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. You get a sense of the, how bad this killing was. Some people think that Cain slit his throat like a sacrifice. And blood just soaked into the ground. It's like Revelation chapter 6 when the martyrs are, are crying at, at the throne of God. When are you going to avenge our blood, God? God can hear the blood of the innocent. And look what he says in verse 11. And now you are cursed from the ground. That's not good if you're a farmer, right? which has opened up its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield to you its strength. And because of that, he's not going to be able to find a place that's going to continually produce for him. You shall be a fugitive, and you're going to be a wanderer of the earth. This is a chance, Cain. Respond. Repent. Look what he does. Oh, pity party. Verse 13. My punishment is greater than I can bear. It's all about him. Oh, woe is me. No remorse. And the Lord says, behold, you have driven, and Cain says, behold, you have driven me away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer of the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Interesting, he's, he, he doesn't want to die. <laughs> what did he just do? Ugh. Verse 15, then the Lord said, not so. Mercy here, look at the mercy. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain. We don't know what it was. Must have been obvious or visible to people so that anyone who found him should attack him. So if anybody is thinking about attacking him, Cain has this mark and people wouldn't do it. And then Cain left. He went away from the presence of the Lord. That's the first life, right? Cain walked away from the presence of the Lord. What we see here is that was God's judgment. Now, the, the rest of this chapter, just to kind of briefly summarize for you, in verses 17 through uh, uh, 24, we're going to see two things here. In the midst of this judgment, we're going to see God's common grace. What's common grace? Well, God's common grace is the goodness that God bestows on all mankind, right? You woke up this morning, the sun was shining. Some of you got rain last night. God gives sunshine. He gives, he gives water to the ground to feed people. You woke up and you had breath in your lungs this morning. God gives that kind of blessing to all mankind. That's common grace. And even in Cain's punishment, there's going to be common grace shown. How? Well, there's going to be cultural advancements, but in the midst of that, 
there's also going to be moral decline. For example, verses 17 through 24, Cain and his descendants, it's on the screen, they develop a city. They develop tenting. They have musical instruments and the arts, the lyre, the poetry. There's a song. Wonderful advancements in culture. They have bronze and iron instruments and weapons. And yet, what do we know? A life that is lived apart from God spirals into moral decline. I read another book this week on the beach. It's it's called The Soul of an American President, Untold Story of Dwight Eisenhower's Faith. It's written by a gentleman in our church, Craig Osten. And Eisenhower was reflecting upon World War II and he saw the atrocities of the Nazi regime and then as he became president, he, he sensed the Cold War in Russia and how in the atheistic state that it was and the suffering that people were experiencing in a government that had no belief in God. And, and Eisenhower writes this, or Craig writes this rather, it's impossible to have a strong, listen to this, it's impossible to have a strong ethical society without retaining organized religious communities like Highlands, whose creed upheld the dignity of all humans. And then he notes this, removing or repressing those religious communities actually created a moral vacuum at the heart of society. And that vacuum is filled with some form of a malignant atheistic humanism. So in the midst of this cultural advancement, we see incredible moral decline. Matter of fact, at the end of this chapter, we meet a man named Lemek. He's a polygamist. He takes two wives, and then he murders a man. Some people think he murders two people. So utter disregard for the sanctity of marriage, further disregard for the dignity and the sanctity of human life. So a life that leads to separation from God, you may see some production there, but ultimately it spirals into moral depravity. And we see that through Cain's descendants. Well, let's just quickly look at Seth. Seth, we're introduced to Seth in verse 25. And Adam knew his wife again, yada, yada, right? (laughs) Adam and Eve, yada, 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 Seth. There we go. She bore a son and called his name Seth, for she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel. Seth means appointed. Now, that's a pretty benign sentence, but I think there's a lot of emotion there. Think about what Eve just did. She's just suffered the the loss of two children. One died And he didn't just die, he was murdered by her other son, who is essentially dead. And so she recognizes that God's goodness gives her Seth. And this, I think she believes this is the fulfillment of the promise in Genesis 3.15, right? God will provide a promised seed that will ultimately lead to salvation. And I believe she thinks, it's this guy, it's Seth. Verse 26 to Seth also was born and he, uh, a son, and he called his name Enosh. And at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Seth had great impact, folks. First of all, 
We see that he impacted his own son, and his own son is through Seth and his own child that people now began to call upon the name of the Lord. It means they started to worship God. They knew the name of God. Cain ran from the name of God, but through Seth, people began to worship God. You see the difference? Here's a life that leads to salvation by God. Cain led to a life of separation from God. Here is Seth having a life that leads to salvation. People once again hear the name of God proclaimed in worship. But I also give to you that Seth's life impacts every single one of us in this room because we know it's through Seth In Luke chapter three, there's a genealogy of Jesus Christ and at the end of that genealogy says that Jesus is a son of Seth. It's through Seth's line that Jesus Christ will come. Do you see the heritage there? Do you see the lineage? Isn't that amazing? This was God's plan. It's through Seth that Christ would come and it's through Christ that we can be called children of God. What an impact. Well, chapter five give you the Cliff Notes version, is a genealogy. And it begins with, it's called, this is the book of the generations of Adam. It's interesting, there's a book there. By this time, there's actually a formal written record. So these names were written down. Moses had this. And, he, and there's, there's a list of names written that he's able to pass on. And what you see here are two things. The reality of death, because it's all through here, right? The fall of man results in death, right? And if you look through all these verses, several people died. I mean, just take a look at this list. Adam and Seth and Enosh and Canaan, they all had sons and daughters and they died, they died, they died, they died. Now there's one exception there, that's Enoch. Enoch walked with the Lord and the Lord just took him. Such a life of blessing and godliness, God just took him to heaven. But the rest of these people just continued to die. That's the reality of death. That's the result of the fall. But at the end of this, here's the good news. Not only is this the reality of death, but there's a foreshadowing of salvation because guess whose name gets brought up at the end of this chapter? Noah. And what do we know God is gonna do through Noah? He's gonna preserve humanity. So there's a foreshadowing of the salvation of God through the line of Seth, through the person of Noah. So what? What's the takeaway? What's the takeaway? I'll give you two things, and it's, it's in your bulletin, I believe. There's, we have two responses. We either respond to verse, chapter four, verse seven, or we respond to chapter four, verse 26. Our response to four, seven, opening that door to sin, determines the trajectory of our lives. Are we gonna give in to that sin? Are we gonna let it crouch at the door and obey it? continue to make self-destructive choices or are we gonna choose the way of Seth and seek the Lord and let people know that we are followers of Jesus Christ? That's really the two choices here, right? Some of us, that choice is we just need to put our faith in Jesus Christ. We need to put our faith in Jesus Christ. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 says that Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant. And it's his blood. It speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. Jesus might be calling and tugging on some of your hearts right now. Say, man, I've been walking down this road 
of sin, choice after choice after choice has left me at a dead end. I need the Lord. You're walking the way of Cain. Will you come back? (laughs) Will you come back? Will you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Some of us are believers, but we're acting like Cain. Maybe we're resenting the blessing that we see in other people's. How come God's not blessing me like that? And you have resentment towards other, uh, other believers in Christ. Some of us might be living the way of Cain where we're experiencing all kinds of success, but we know in our heart we've abandoned God. And if you continue to do that, it's gonna lead to moral decline. At some point, you're gonna hit that wall and you're gonna need to turn to Christ. What I love about Seth, do you think Seth knew his baggage? Do you think Seth knew the history of his brothers? Do you think Adam and Eve told Seth about Cain and Abel? So he's got all this generational past. He's got this history. But what's so cool is God can take someone who's got that that family baggage and do something beautiful. You may be thinking, man, I've got such a past here that I don't know if if God can make anything good of this. God established a, a, a line through Seth that would lead to the Messiah. God can do a transformation in your life that can have generational impact. We don't have to look at our past and and the result of all that sin. We can start now and say, God, I want you to do something different in my life and help me to start a a heritage that's gonna lead people to you. Live, Live a life like Seth. Don't live a life like Cain. Jesus Christ can give you a new family, a new identity, and a new eternity. Do me a favor, take out this, look in front of you, you have, a, you have a little connect card. Brendan talked about this. Can anybody grab one of these? This is our next step here. There's a place on here for you to respond. On the back, you need to give, you need to give us um, your name, but it says, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. We would love to share Jesus Christ with you and how you can become a child of God. Maybe you've decided, I've been walking the wrong road. I want to turn around. I want to rededicate my life to Christ today. You can do that. Will you check that box? Maybe some of you are facing a past and some baggage from your family that, man, I just need to talk to somebody. I don't want to let my past dictate how I live my future. Check that box. And when you leave today, and the offering box is on either side of the doors, will you put this in there? We'll follow up you do this week. We would love nothing more than to help share the good news of Jesus and the difference he can make. Let me pray. Father, we're grateful. Thank you for the story. Thank you for the story of Cain and Abel. Cain lived a life of sin. He paid the price for it. And Father, some of us are in that lifestyle right now and we're heading down a path that's just spiraling out of control. Help us not to be like Cain. Help us not to continue that way. Draw us near. Soften our hearts. May we repent. Help us to have a life that leads to salvation through you, that we could know your son and begin to make a difference in how we live so that we can impact others for his glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Highlands, we love you. I hope you know that. We love you, and we would love nothing more than to have a conversation with you this week. Fill out that card. Let us know how we can help. Introduce you to Jesus Christ. See how you can get through some of that baggage and turn your life around. It's all through the power of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. We have people down here who would love to pray with you. And I hope that you take the right path. It can make all the difference. God bless you guys.